0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl Miriam Joar. Hi and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host Miriam Joar and today is Tuesday, June 6, 2017. We're just fresh from the Apple event and my guest today is Avram Pilch. Am I saying that properly, Avram?
1: Yes, definitely. Yes,
0: I win. So uh, Abram writes for Tom's Guide and Laptop Mag. Is that correct?
1: Yes, correct.
0: And, you know, I see Abram at a lot of trade shows and we've been friends for a long time. And, you know, this is primarily a phone show, but at the same time, it's a mobile show. And, you know, I love laptops and you know, I love tablets and you know, I love mobile computers. I mean, I bought an OQO back in the day. That's how much I love mobile computers. So, Avram is the guy to have on the show for that. So, we were both at Computex last week. How did that go for you? Excellent.
1: It was the best Computex that we've had, really. I mean, just a lot of exciting announcements and just a great show overall. This is, I think, the eighth or ninth time that I've done it.
0: It's a good show, isn't it? It's fun.
1: My favorite. Uh, But mainly because you're there. uh, Aww. But really, I mean, a lot of great people come and it's just I love Taiwan and I love just seeing where, uh, you know, the big vendors from Taiwan come and put on a great show like Asus does. So uh, it's it's a fun show. I really enjoy it.
0: No, I agree with you. I think uh, it really helps that it's in Taipei. Taiwan is a, is a beautiful place and Taipei is a particularly great city. And um, some make big companies based out of uh, in the PC world uh, like Asus and Acer. Uh, of course, HTC, which didn't really do anything this year. But before we get into Computex, Avram, there's this big elephant in the room right now uh, with a big Apple logo on it. W- what are your thoughts on yesterday's adventure?
1: Adventure.
0: <laughs> That's a good way, right, uh, to describe it.
1: Yes. Uh, it was one more thing to keep track of. The uh, Well, I think it was uh, good that Apple finally gave some love to the iMac, uh, and refresh that, and that they did a processor bump on the rest of their MacBooks. Uh, but obviously, they haven't addressed a lot of the issues that people had with the MacBooks, which are the reason, among the reasons why Apple, in our laptop mag best and worst brands, which we've been doing for eight or nine years now, uh, Apple, for the first time, came in uh, sixth, not first, uh, because of the quality of, of the MacBooks. So, yes, the MacBook Pros and the 12 inch MacBook got a bump up to KB Lake processors, which means that they're only like seven months behind most PCs. <laughs> but they still haven't addressed the issues that people were really concerned about, uh, such as lack of important ports and the fact that the touch bar uh, is really no substitute for having a touch screen. And doesn't really do enough to justify the price so it was nice that they they made an effort there to to finally get some processor parity but it it doesn't really do much to change the trajectory uh and certainly they did nothing to really change the trajectory of the macbook air which not to say that we were expecting uh a a big air, air announcement but It's just like the thing that won't die. It's sort of like Michael (laughs) Myers at the end of Halloween. They won't kill it, but they just keep changing it just a little bit. So they gave it like a 200 megahertz faster chip or something. So they
0: actually upgraded the guts of the air? I missed that.
1: Yes, but they didn't show it on screen. They said, we're giving it a slight processor bump. Wow. So it's still, although they they never disclose what gen the processor is on it, It's we believe it's still a Haswell process, a Broadwell processor. I think it's still fifth gen core. Got it. But it's now gone from like one point five to one point eight gigahertz. So really, you know, we can really see the difference.
0: How bizarre that they would bother, right? Like, wow. I mean, look, I'm you know I'm a huge uh, Mac person, right? Like I'm not an Apple fangirl, but I really do like my Macs, and. I have to say that this last set of MacBooks, well, not not the ones announced yesterday because they're just refreshes, um, have kind of left me cold. And I think, I mean, look, I have a MacBook 12-inch as my travel computer, so I'm a little masochistic, right? Um, But at the same time, I love its size and weight. And of course, mine is the very first generation, so it's very much outpaced by what they just announced. I bet you the, the Cabby Lake... Seventh gen i core i7 version of that machine runs circles around mine, and I might upgrade just for that. Um, but what vexes me the most is that there is no 13 inch non touch bar MacBook Pro with four Thunderbolt 3 USB C ports
1: yet. I think I think it should vex everybody that there's no, uh, I believe what there's still an old 15 inch MacBook Pro available somewhere that has regular USB ports. Right. But but for everybody else, and by the way, they killed the 1299 MacBook Pro that was a little older that had all the legacy ports. The 13 so, inch one? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, I know. So they killed that. So people who are creative professionals, uh, which is I think you're really your primary audience for the MacBook, for the MacBook Pro, those folks who, who have all of their you know, their external hard drives, their flash drives, their all kinds of their peripherals and docks uh, that they've been using for years. Well, they're going to have to live the dongle lifestyle or, or whatever. They're going to have to have a bag full of dongles with them for the foreseeable future. And I think a lot of people don't like that and don't want that.
0: Honestly, that's not my issue. I'm on board 100% on USB-C and on the dongles because I think it's the future and there's going to be this intermediate phase where we have dongles. And I've been living the dongle life since the original MacBook Air, which had the little uh, trap door that opened with a single USB type A port. So I'm fine with that. My concern is that, like you said, and actually I disagree with you somewhat, but I do agree with you in general that the touch bar is stupid and uh, and this is coming from a Mac user. Now, a lot of people said to me and other big Mac users said to me, you know, Miriam, if you use it, you might change your mind. And I'm like, no, I won't change my mind. Because like I, I agree with you, Um, you know, it's useless and it's a poor substitute for a touch screen. But I also think it's delusional to think that Apple will put a touch screen on their Macs. So that's kind of why I disagree with you that I don't think that's ever going to happen. So in that sense, I say don't even bother with a touch bar. Just give me a Mac with a keyboard, a good keyboard, a good Mac. And and I think there's nothing inherently wrong with the 13 and 15-inch MacBook Pros that we have now other than the touch bar because that's what I want. I want a 13-inch fully loaded MacBook Pro without a touch bar. I want the four Thunderbolt USB 3 ports, I uh, we, sorry, USB-C, I want like spec out to the nines and I can't get that. I have to, if I want to do that, get a touch bar. And to me, without a physical escape, I could potentially live with the other keys being virtual. The other thing that I really thought they would do is this kind of revised version of the touch bar max was put haptic feedback on the touch bar. So in the same way as I have it in the trackpad, when you tap on the touch bar buttons you feel like you're clicking something right the fact that they have that technology and haven't put that in the touch bar from day one or at least now the revised ones i don't get it what do you think
1: yeah i think that apple is kind of anti-haptic feedback you don't get it on the ipad or the iphone so and you by the way didn't get it on windows phone it seems like no, only you get Android. it on the iphone Do you get it? You've gotten it on the
0: iPhone since the 6s and the 6s Plus. Ah, it's been on the full screen. It's it's called that's where it started, and then on on the 12 inch MacBook, they were the first to implement haptics on the trackpad. The trackpad doesn't actually physically click on the 12 inch MacBook that I have. and yeah, all you the, have new, the force pad and all the force touch uh, trackpads since then have been all the new macbook pros have that trackpad so they absolutely use haptics and that's my exact point they have the technology yet they didn't put it in the touch bar
1: yeah they should have i mean it certainly makes touch typing impossible so but but it's still impossible because there's no delineation between the keys so even if you had haptics you would have a hard time feeling your way. But you see, that's okay key. with
0: me because the only key I really need up there that with a, lit, a clear delineation is the escape key. And then and then of course the fingerprint reader I think is brilliant, it's great. But the middle buttons could be a touch bar if they had at least just haptic feedback that I've clicked on them. I could potentially live with that, but the way it is now is flawed. and And as a Mac person, it's really painful for me because I'm usually on board with most things Apple does to the Mac. But, uh, and speaking of which, I'm very excited to see what they're doing with the iMac, especially the iMac Pro. But let's talk about that in a second. Since we're in the middle of laptops, let's talk about this. Do you think, you're, you're an expert. I have the original MacBook 12-inch from two years ago that has a stupid Core M3 or whatever it is in there. Slow, slow, slow. Should I upgrade to a 12-inch MacBook with Cabby Lake?
1: No. You should not, because the Kaby Lake is also going to have a similar level of performance. I mean, it's going to be a bump for sure, but don't be fooled. It's going to use a Kaby Lake Y-series processor. So the Y-series processor is Core M. They just rebranded Core M as Y-series.
0: It's it's, it's all a a big ruse to get me to buy a new MacBook. But... I could buy, I probably would be better off buying a 13-inch non-touch bar MacBook Pro then. The problem is that I want four ports because if I'm going to go for a bigger laptop and lose some thinness and weight advantages, I'm going to want to have more ports than two. But you
1: said you live the dongle lifestyle. I do live the dongle
0: lifestyle, but if I'm going to buy a bigger computer, I want more ports. That's all. I guess what I'm saying is I'm vexed that only the touch bar versions have four ports.
1: Yeah, that is a shame. They should give you more ports. uh, But I still think they should give you other things that creative professionals need. I understand, you know, it's not that hard to carry dongles with you, but it's always at the worst possible time if you don't have the dongle that you need. So I'm very thankful every time I whip out my PC notebook and I have an SD card reader on there, because when i'm at when i'm at a trade show covering it and i need to pop in uh, a memory card to take the picture and upload it or take a video and upload it uh, it's a lot easier than trying to fish through my bag and see did i forget my dongle
0: yeah no i mean i i get that i i don't forget the dongles there was in my bag but the the other thing is i actually use the dongles with my android phone since they're usb c everything works you know i use the dongle on my um uh, to import uh photos directly into my into my phone and upload them directly to my uh you know my various uh, cms directly from the phone sometimes so it's nice it the what i'm saying to you is the dongle life has also brought with it a whole bunch of cool inherent advantages like the fact that i have dongles to get my phone on ethernet for example so I actually was at Google I.O. with my Galaxy S8 in the press pit, taking videos, live YouTube videos of what was happening on stage. And I was able to do it without worrying about our bandwidth issues on the really crowded Wi-Fi because they provided us with wired connections in the press pit. So I plugged the wired connection into a USB Type-C Ethernet dongle into the back of my Galaxy S8, into the... Into the the bottom USB type C port and boom, I had 300 megabits up and down symmetric to play with for uploading videos in real time. It was fantastic. So, you know, there are some things to be said about the dongles and yeah.
1: Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about what dongles would you need to carry with?
0: So I only carry two. I have a dongle that lets me charge while the dongle is connected to my MacBook. It's 12-inch. So it's a pass-through for power, power delivery USB Type-C. And it has three USB-A 3.0 ports. uh, So I can plug three regular devices, like a thumb drive, whatever. And it has a SDXC full-size card reader. The only thing it's missing is an Ethernet port. And for that, I use Apple's very own USB 2.0 to Ethernet dongle that I've had since my actual original MacBook Air uh, in 2007, eight, whenever it is I bought it, 2008. So that's how old that dongle is, and it works just fine. So, but it's only two dongles, so that I can live with two dongles. Not bad. Yeah,
1: it's not. It's not bad. You just got. You just have to remember to take them. And they just I live in always... my bag.
0: That's it. Yeah, my, you know, and my bag is always with me. So, but yeah, look, I hear you, and I think that's one of the things about the PC ecosystem versus the Mac ecosystem that is so amazing. And and before we segue to the PC ecosystem and talk about some of the amazing machines we saw at Computex, um, what else struck you about Apple's yesterday Apple announcement? I know I want to talk about the iMac Pro, um, and maybe the bumps to the iMacs, but but it was there was an iPad. There the was... iPad Pro
1: 10.5. So what do you
0: think of that? You reviewed tablets, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that tablet is going to really be a nice sweet spot for people who think maybe the 9.7 was too small, that the uh, the 12-inch was too big. Uh, so it's kind of in the Goldilocks zone uh, for for tablet, but I still don't think that Apple's iPad Pros can replace someone's laptop. I, I mean, yes, you can get the keyboard for them, and that helps. But uh, realistically speaking, it's not something that will balance well on your lap. Uh, the iOS operating system is a mobile operating system. It's not like taking a Surface Pro with full Windows 10 and trying to balance that on your lap and use it as your main PC. So I think it's good for creative professionals. I think it's good for people who draw. I think it's good for note-taking. But I don't see a lot of people using that as their primary document editing PC.
0: But what do you think of iOS 11? It, I mean, it sounds like they're remedying some of these things with a file system, uh, drag and drop between apps, uh, a multitasking thing that resembles what we saw with Windows 10. Um, you know, uh, I, I should say since Windows 8, actually. Um, what, what Did you see that? I mean, to me, that's, that goes hand in hand with that new iPad, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, I mean, it's definitely a huge improvement, especially the files where they're finally giving you access to the file system, uh, something that Android's had since like 2009. Uh, But, you know, it's good that you finally have it. That's something that professional, uh, professional operating systems need. Right. Uh, Interesting question, which I think the answer is probably no, is what happens if you try to attach a USB device to your lightning port? Is it going to show up as a drive that you can actually browse? Uh you just seem to find out, right? I, my guess is probably not, but uh, that's the behavior that should happen. I mean, that's what happens on your on Android devices. Uh, and there are lightning uh, to USB drives out there that you need special apps to load. So really, you know, again, if they want this to be a computer replacement, they need to, to take things like that seriously and to take the multitasking more seriously. And it's nice that they're doing it, but it's it's hard to imagine somebody taking that and treating it as their as their main computer.
0: I know some people, and I know some people who are in the tech blogging, tech journalism sphere. Do you know, for example, that Harry McCracken? Yes, uses I was going to say, except him exclusively. Except Harry, you think it's just Harry? No, I'm
1: sure it's not just him. Uh, he's definitely on the cutting edge, and I, I, I applaud him. If it if it works for him, that's great. It really depends on, I guess, how comfortable you are using the Bluetooth keyboard. You know, is it lapable or is are you using it on your lap? Uh, are you or are you drawing writing on it with a pencil? I mean, certainly, certainly that's very convenient if you can do it. It's hard for me to imagine sitting there and like writing a 2000 word article on, on one of those things, but I guess anything's possible. I mean, I wrote, I wrote a uh, master's thesis in word perfect five one. <laughs> there, was no, there were no, there were no uh, multi windows there. So
0: well, I, I used to work, use a uh, word perfect 5.1 too. So I know your pain. Um, You know, I'll be honest with you though. I think that just the, for the writing alone, I think it's actually probably okay to use an iPad. That would probably be my first, kind of like, yeah, I can do that kind of moment. But uh, I mean, I use Chromebooks extensively for uh, work. And obviously there's a lot of stuff I can't do on Chromebooks and I just go back to my Macs. But writing is, I think, should work just fine on a tablet with a keyboard once you have a dedicated like Logitech keyboard or something. Um, but you're right, it's never going to be quite the same as a Surface, right? I mean, and that's one of the things. Well, I shouldn't say a Surface because I actually think that the i'm not a big fan of the surface format in the sense of like the kind of pseudo cardboardish keyboard yeah that, that's a real that,
1: that's a real challenge to I, use on your lap I, I
0: i much prefer like the convertibles and um the ones that you know like flip yoga style um, yeah i prefer that too yeah those i think are perfectly good replacements uh but there are some cases for iPad um, that, or and keyboards for iPad that let you turn it into a laptop. And for those, I think uh, I could see myself writing an entire article on a, on a, on i on on an iPad like iOS with iOS 11 with this new multitasking. But you know, the verdict's still out. I get frustrated very easily when I try to use a tablet um, as my you know writing instrument. Um, because I always find something is missing in terms of key shortcuts. But, um, you know, they're addressing that slowly. Android didn't use support uh, a lot of the key shortcuts in the old days, and now it does on tablets. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I- I'm just excited to see that um, they, you know, they're persisting with the iPad, despite the fact that it is no longer a bestseller. Um and they're addressing the needs of their customers, which is a very smart thing for a business to do, you know?
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's. I think the iPad Pro 10.5 is going to be a good one, uh, but I don't think it's going to change the market.
0: No. What about the iMacs? I mean, obviously some spec bumps on the existing iMacs, and that's okay, to be expected. Um, they looks like they added USB Type-C and Thunderbolt 3 to them, which is cool. Uh, but that iMac Pro has me intrigued. The price is eyebrow-raising, to say the least. What is your take on that?
1: Yeah, it's expensive, and that's what you—that's what you expect from Apple as a premium product. Uh, I mean, that's—that's that's why they're basically killing the MacBook Air, right? I mean, they, right. Th- there's no there's no notebook now under twelve ninety nine. So they want to be a premium brand. They don't want to be Dell. Uh, right. So, you know, that's that's fine it's good to see them take it take it to the high end uh and offer something with with that that kind of screen and with that those kind of specs i mean i guess you could say that's their their answer to the surface studio uh or probably a better answer because i mean it's the the specs are much
0: better right i mean those specs are impressive for something that thin and small uh in the sense that they're going Xeon, right? They're going with these new is that the new Core i9 that was announced at Computex actually?
1: No, I don't think so, because the Core i9 is not a Xeon. So oh, okay. And Core i9's not gonna really be out for a while. I don't okay. think we're actually gonna see it till like August, September time. But remember, frame.
0: this thing's not coming out till December. Hmm.
1: So there's room there for them to do and it. And they
0: talked about 18 cores
1: oh well then it might be i9 because i9 gives you 18 cores
0: and i mean they might Uh, say xeon for the other ones but there's a bunch of configs there's an 8 core and a 10 core and an 18 core
1: that's the one to buy if your company is paying
0: (laughs) i like your thinking abram that's good um so yeah i mean it also has pretty massive crazy video card support and and it's interesting how they mentioned VR like they mentioned the IMAX as a platform for VR creation which is the first time we've really actually seen Apple kind of talk about VR in a major way at a at a keynote so that was kind of interesting yeah they're like
1: they're like 2 years behind 2 3 years I, behind I everyone
0: they're realizing there's money to be made here the thing
1: that actually intrigued me the most that was kind of a throwaway announcement was that they're selling a developer kit, which is an external graphics card? Yeah, that means that Apple is throwing its weight behind external graphics cards. Now we saw at Computex, which I know we'll get to in full later, a whole bunch of companies now coming out with Thunderbolt three graphics stocks. Why don't Why don't so, we segue
0: right now? Because I mean, I think yeah. other than speaking about the the HomePod, which is the uh, Sonos slash Amazon. Echo-type device from Apple. There's not much left to talk about, and I really know nothing about it other than I'm sure it sounds awesome and uh, Siri is still as useless as ever.
1: And it costs twice as much.
0: There you go. So how about we talk about these um, wonderful computers we saw at Computex?
1: So, so many. What, uh, what impressed you the most?
0: Look, I'm a big sucker for the... Ultra thin, ultra lights, right? So for me the Zenbook Flip S has really got my attention. Uh because I like convertibles and or especially the yoga style uh can is there's you guys have all this vocabulary for that. Uh, Avram, please correct me. No, um, con-
1: convertible's probably the right word. I mean the, I don't think I don't think the industry is really segment you know, there's a two and one it's a convertible. I like to call them bend back two and ones, but that's just me.
0: There you go. So you, uh, hear, you you heard it here. Expert has said bend back two in one.
1: I think that's just me though. I'm just trying to coin it. Oh come uh, on, you can invent can, new words,
0: Avram. You've been can, around can, the business long enough. Yes,
1: it's a it bends back. And those, I agree with you that those are the best kind because they're laptops first and tablets second. Because let's be honest, you really when you're buying something like that, you're buying it to be like your primary computer. And when you want it in tablet mode, it's for usually a secondary purpose or you use it for when one of those other awkward modes like the tent mode or the stand mode. So you can prop it up and watch a video or show someone a PowerPoint or something like that. So, you know, yeah, that w- the the ZenBook Flip S uh, was pretty impressive, although it's really just a continuation of the ZenBook 3 that we saw in September. It's the same yeah. design, the same, all the same things. It's just now it's a now it's a two in one.
0: But it's sexy.
1: It is nice. I mean, I like the blue. I think I give blue and Asus, gold. Yeah, I give Asus a lot of credit for actually uh, going there with color because, unfortunately, there just are not a lot of laptops that are primary colors anymore. Yeah. I would like, I would like to see a twentieth anniversary iBook, but I'm oh, sure, yeah, I'm sure no one will will go there because it was very controversial design at the time. But uh, that was the I last loved time. It. Me too. That was the last time. Give me my Bondi blue iBook uh, <laughs> or my or my blueberry. Uh, so, you know, that was the last time when like you really saw a lot of high end stuff coming in primary colors. Now it's usually limited to like the really cheap Dell 11 3000 that cost 200 bucks. But uh, so I really appreciate that ASUS has gone there. And interestingly, someone from ASUS told me. That on the prior model, the the ZenBook 3, the blue and gold way outsold the silver model, like, wow, by orders of magnitude, uh, and for good reason. Because I'm really sick of silver and gold as design <laughs> colors. I mean, I, we've been there, we've done that. Rose gold is just another color of gold. Like, give give us some like actual, you know, bright colors. Uh, so so the ZenBook ZenBook uh, Flip. Flip S was uh, is a fantastic design, uh, but I'm really impressed with two new technologies that made their debut this year. There we're going to be seeing products based on them for a long time to come. First, okay. there was uh, there was Nvidia's new new technology, uh, which Nvidia's new technology for fitting um, fitting. Uh, higher-end graphics cards into thinner and thinner laptops.
0: Right, I saw that. What was it called? There was an interesting name. It
1: around. was... You know, every time I say it, I forget it, and I should. It was, I think... Uh, Something Q. Yeah, WebQ. No, I'm getting that wrong. Uh, anyway, I should know this. I knew, said it earlier today. It'll come to me after we're, we're off. But Don't worry, it's okay. The new NVIDIA technology... Uh, really allows you to do things like put a a high-end GTX 1080 uh, graphics card into a relatively thin and light gaming notebook.
0: Yeah, and we saw a few.
1: There were about five of them, the best of which was the Asus ROG Zephyrus, which is an absolutely gorgeous uh, notebook, not just because it's a little thin for... Uh, for how powerful it is, but because it's got this really interesting keyboard design on it and Asus really pushed the envelope. Now, you do trade off, right? Uh, By doing this, what happens is that you end up with uh, a slightly downclocked processor. So it's quiet. The fans can't go too loud. The cue is for quiet. It's quiet and it's a bit thinner, but you're not getting pedal to the metal performance. So that's the trade-off. Uh, and right. when I spoke to someone from Alienware about this, they said we are never going to make something that thin and that thin and light.
0: Interesting. Why? Why would they say that?
1: Well, they feel that performance is the absolute most important thing. And so, while they're going to take advantage of the technology so they can fit, say, a 1080 card into the uh, existing Alienware 15 chassis, which couldn't fit it before, they're not going to compete with uh, others to get it to make the thinnest possible gaming system. They don't want to do
0: it. Right, that makes sense. Um, what's the other thing you saw?
1: So I really like the initiative uh, for putting uh, Windows 10 on Qualcomm-based laptops.
0: So we talked about that in my last podcast and I'm 100% on board as well. So what's your take on that?
1: Well, what I really wanna see is how good the connected standby is, Uh, which my understanding is it may or may not be that much better than what you have today. With Intel chips, you're just getting better battery life. What I really wanna see is uh, the classic case that I'm sure you've had a million times. You shoot a video, you shoot a lot of photos, you're uploading stuff, you're running between events, you go and you close the lid of your notebook because you got, got into a cab or something, And then your upload stops or your download stops. Yeah. And that doesn't happen on your phone. If you're uploading to YouTube on your phone or to Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever, your phone goes to sleep, but it's still uploading and downloading. Well, that's the real promise here is that even though Windows is asleep, the file transfers will continue. Now, what we don't know is to what extent that's going to work programmatically. Will a browser like Chrome if you're uploading something in the browser, continue to upload when your computer goes to sleep. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's really been a serious problem for people who are doing work. Now, talking to Qualcomm, they said their initial uh, initial batch of always connected laptops is not going to be targeted at business. It's going to be targeted at consumers. So maybe they're thinking more along the lines of make sure you get your Facebook updates as soon as you open up your lid. But I hope that they really look at this more as a productivity play because everybody, whether you're working for a corporation or not, everyone's trying to be productive. Everyone's in business for one, one way or another trying to get things done. So I think the connected standby is a big deal. I think if they do something that really increases the battery life dramatically of laptops, that's a big deal. But on the other hand, we're seeing ultra books that if they're, created with a good good battery can get 10 12 hours of battery life so you know i'm not i mean i I do think battery life is an issue across the industry we really want to be seeing things that you can run pedal the metal with full brightness and get you know 15 hours of battery life there's very few laptops out there like that and most of them are a little bit bigger Uh, but still you know i think the biggest message here is is always connected Uh, what i do think is going to be a tough sell for them it's not necessarily whether the performance is good or not. I think the performance is good enough and the designs and battery life are, and connectivity are good. They can get by with that. I think the real issue is they're re- it really seems like they're betting the farm on people buying LTE, a special LTE plan just for their laptops. And so far that's been kind of a non-starter for people. Yeah. I mean, that means that they're paying another at least $10 a month On a family plan to connect another device that they may not need to have on 4G all the time?
0: Well, they seem to think that people would have the option of buying this bite-sized as well. So we'll see how it pans out. But you know what? You can always have it in there and not use it. And I still think with a Snapdragon 835, and I mean, I had the demo. I posted a video about the demo on on mobile geeks because i was so impressed with the demo the emulation was flawless and performance was really good so i actually think we're going to see huge gains in battery life on these snapdragon 835 base windows 10 devices compared to what we're used to on intel and and that alone to me will sell the laptops because sure the connected stuff is nice especially the background you know um update you know the the connected standby but i think for me it's the LTE of course i will probably pay more for it because i love it but but even if you don't get that i mean it's going to be i think we're going to see some super light super thin battery champs come out of this
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm sure hoping for it i mean right now uh we do very extensive battery testing at laptop mag uh so you know like the longest lasting laptop right now is the Lenovo ThinkPad T470 and that lasts uh just over 17 hours on a charge with an extended battery? But that thing weighs about four pounds wow. with that extended battery. Now I'm more than willing to carry the four pounds so that I won't run out of juice. But if you were given the opportunity to carry something that was two pounds yeah, and lasted right? 17 hours on a charge, that exactly. really wouldn't be bad. Now to be fair, there are some things that are fairly light that get you almost there. For example, the X1 Carbon right now gets about 12 hours, and that thing weighs about two and a half pounds. So that's that's pretty impressive as far as battery life per weight. But that's not running at full brightness and and really doing a yeah, ton. Yeah. So you know what would I love? I would love it to run for my entire flight to Taiwan uh, and still have some juice for the airport.
0: Yeah, no, I think we're going to get there with this uh, Qualc- uh, Snapdragon uh, 835 st- on Windows, uh, Windows 10 uh, combo. I-, I think it's coming. I, you know, that's why I'm super excited. Um, any, I want to kind of maybe wrap up Computex and talk phones a little bit because, you know, I know my listeners love talking about phones and I'd love to have your take as a, you know, tech savvy, early adopter, tech journalist, but not necessarily a phone person. Uh, on on the state of phones in the world. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that there's nothing else about Computex. I mean, we could go on about Computex for a while. Uh, we talked about it in the podcast last week with Nicole and um, Kevin of um, Crackberry. Um, but uh, let me know.
1: Well, the one thing I just want to mention is it looks like more companies are taking external graphics amps seriously, which I alluded to before. Oh, yeah we see a couple of companies getting into that space that weren't before Zotac is getting in uh, uh, and uh, Gigabyte is actually going to, Aorus Gigabyte is actually going to start selling a 1070 graphics amp with a graphics card built in. And I, and why that matters is as we start to see more companies taking this space seriously, which right now there's only one real player in Razer and then Alienware has a proprietary one. uh, Then you might live the dream of having your, your really thin notebook and then be still being able to do VR and play games when you get a Discrete graphics card for. So I think that's, that's really an important development and really calls attention to the fact that when you buy a laptop these days, you really need Thunderbolt three and you better make sure it's the one that has four lane PCI, not two lanes. So it has the bandwidth for one of these things, because that's going to become increasingly important, particularly as we see a new generation of, mixed reality headsets from Microsoft and, and partners coming out toward the end of the year.
0: Yeah, those is cool for sure. Um, I've always been a big fan of the idea of putting the graphics cards externally. That way when you're, tra- you're traveling, you can go lightweight. And then when you get home, you get some serious oomph, you know, um, especially if you're a gamer, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to me. So that's exciting. Um, so like, let's talk phones for a sec. Um, do you have a favorite phone? At this very moment, the phone that I own is my favorite
1: phone, and that's a Galaxy S8, which I just got last month. Uh, and that's right.
0: You switch. You actually have a switching story. We yes. can Talk about that as well. But you got a Galaxy S8 regular size or plus. I you know I spent a long time
1: debating it, I, and I ended up going coming down the side of getting the regular S8. The S8 Plus uh, is real is really nice too. Battery life is somewhere, depending on when we ran the test, between 45 minutes an hour longer. But it seemed to me like it was a little bit big in my hand holding it all day. Right. And and then I was getting a little worried. that It was actually like I put my phone in my front pocket. It was actually almost to the point of sticking out. I was like, oh, man, if this falls out on the train or the bus, I'm going to be in big trouble. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, I kind of rolled the dice. Like, I'm not really sure which one I want to get, but I'll go with the one that's $100 cheaper. Uh, and it's turned out to be excellent. I'm really, really happy with my S8. Uh, It's turned out to be really uh, the right size for my regular adult size hands uh, because it's so long, and the battery life has been really a lot better than I expected. I came from having a phone that had, like, a double battery, and I was expecting to have a real downgrade of battery life, but I'm using that phone all day long, and I come home at night, and I have, like, 59%. So... It's it's really good. I'm really happy with the battery life. I'm really happy with the camera, and I think uh, the operating system is not too oppressive with with the Android skin. It's it's just overall good, and I love the screen. I was really torn because part of me really wanted to get the Pixel because I love the idea of it's having too late for that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I love the idea of having the pure Android. Uh, experience not even because I like pure Android that much better than with a skin, I just like being in on the latest version. And so, you know, with the Samsung, I can't install beta versions of the operating system, I have to wait until Samsung gets around to updating, which maybe never. So, did you
0: buy it unlocked or did you buy it on a carrier? I bought
1: it on the carrier because I'm too cheap to, to put down the whole uh, 750 bucks, so this way I can pay for it every month. Uh, otherwise, I would have bought it unlocked so that I could more easily root it. Uh, but even then, I'm sure that someone will come up with a root exploit for it. Uh, and maybe I'll try it if there's a compelling ROM out there for me to try. But it's not quite the same as being able to be on Google's beta program for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. But it's also a minor issue, to be honest with you. Even for myself, who is like, you know, a diehard nexus pixel user in the sense that i want the latest i don't find myself really even installing like right now i could use android o on my pixel because i could download it uh but i'm not gonna do that because it is ultimately my daily driver what i keep my entire life on it needs to be reliable i run my business from it so you know i end up basically not upgrading it until it's officially out right the os so uh you know maybe i don't need a pixel is basically what i'm saying although You know, very few phones have really tempted me away from a Nexus or Pixel over the years. There's been the occasional one. And I must say, you know, I reviewed the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus for ChipCheck. That was one of them. Um, It is a fantastic device. Uh, What made you pick that, say, over the G6 or some of the other kind of contemporary flagships that we have to choose from right now?
1: The camera. Okay. Uh we, you know, at, at, I waited because, you know, at Tom's Guide, we review these things and, you know, I waited, to, you know, I really, I wanted to switch from Verizon to T-Mobile and so I knew I needed to get a new phone and I couldn't switch until I got a new phone because my old phone, which was really old, a Galaxy S3 to be, Note Whoa, 3. Oh my god! Again, not S3, Note 3, a Galaxy Note 3 Note to be 3. exact. Still very old. Uh was you know wouldn't make the transition, and my wife had a phone. She her phone would not make the transition either. She had an S five. So so you know we've been waiting because we knew we wanted to make the switch uh, to T Mobile, and we're waiting for the right phone to come out. And so I got to borrow it and take it home. And first of all, I liked the screen a lot better than than on the G six. It was real. The G six is a really nice form factor, really nice size. I think even possibly a better overall size mm-hmm. uh to hold than the S8 but the it's hard to live without OLED when you've had OLED yeah on the screen uh and the other thing is that the camera is just a bit better uh and you know one of my colleagues Sam Rutherford did a camera face off between the G6 and the and between the Pixel and the S8 he did you know we looked at pictures side by side and clearly the S8 was the best and I know I'm going to be taking this to trade shows I'm going to be using it professionally even, so having the best camera available was my top priority.
0: So it's interesting because I also reviewed the G6 for Chip Chick, and in my opinion the camera on the G6 is better than the Galaxy S8s. And you know I'm a huge camera phone person. Um I think in low light they're ha- they're 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 very close. Um the G- the Galaxy S8 might have a bit of an edge there. But in daylight, I think the G6 and the Galaxy S8 are indistinguishable. And for me, what makes the G6 camera superior is that there is a wide-angle camera. And so I can use it in situations I cannot use the Galaxy S8. And as a journalist, that's saved me several times now. That's, that's
1: fair to say. I was more concerned about the low light because I feel like I never it's have like enough light. It's like splitting
0: straws. Honestly, between the Pixel the uh, G6 and the Galaxy S8, it's almost indistinguishable how good these three are in low light. In my opinion, in some cases you get a better result of the Galaxy S8 um, and the G6 versus the Pixel, but in some cases the Pixel wins because it's got that fancy image processing. Uh, where I think the Pixel loses is in, uh, when, when you have motion blur issues. Uh, because you can't keep a steady hand because it doesn't have a YS. And even though there's a ton of software trickery, uh, you can't always win. I'll give you an example. When I flew home from Taipei, I was flying with Eva Air in business class, and they have these fantastic brand-new 777 uh, 777 Boeings. Uh, and in business class, the ceiling of the the plane inside the cabin has these uh, this cool fiber-optic star sky so when they flip the right switches the the sky it basically looks like you're looking at night sky when you're you know in your seat which is really amazing and you get all these little uh you know uh like little pic- pixel size you know holes in the ceiling with fiber optic running through it and lighting up like stars and and you know they're even like you know uh what's the word like blinking a little bit just like stars would and uh trying to take a photo of that during i uh, try to do that during takeoff just for <laughs> challenge myself because you know there's a bit of there's a bit of turbulence like in, until you get past ten thousand feet um not enough turbulence to really make you move very much but just enough that you can't really hold your phone perfectly steady and the galaxy s8 and the g6 absolutely nailed the shot the the pixel, every other photo would have a slight motion blur on it that I could clearly see because of the lack of OIS. And so we're talking about like, if we had seen these photos two years ago, we would have been like, there's, there's this is mind-blowing. But today we're getting picky enough to say, well... You know, in this particularly very rare subset situation, the pixel falls apart because it doesn't OS. But it's that probably the only place it would fall apart. In some cases, it's much better than a Galaxy S8 uh, in Low Light, just because of the crazy HDR plus trickery it does with you know uh multiple photo analysis and combining and software multiple photos to remove uh um noise and stuff like that. So You know, but I I appreciate your choice. I think the Galaxy S8 is a great choice and I think you did the right thing. Obviously, for you, that seemed to be the best coming from a Samsung phone yourself. And more importantly, as you said, you know, uh, the OLED and all that. But it's interesting, right? Don't you think that we're getting to a place now where flagships are all pretty tremendous?
1: Yeah, also the other thing I forgot to mention is gigabit LTE. Yeah, that's uh
0: definitely going to come to T-Mobile very soon.
1: But I mean, I don't think the G6 supports No, it does that. not
0: support it cuz it doesn't have that X16 radio because it doesn't have Snapdragon 835. You need an 835 for that. So
1: So I'm future I'm future proof there and uh Yeah, that, I mean for also the also 6 months you're
0: going to keep that phone. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> Right? Uh No, you keep your I, phones 2 years. I guess you get a you had a Galaxy S3 for how many years?
1: 3 years. Oh, yeah, no, I mean three.
0: 3 years. That's not Yeah. Long. It's a long uh, time.
1: Ago. Yeah, it was a, it was a really long time. It's not like I want to keep I I want to keep a phone that long, but uh, you know, they're not giving them me to me giving them to me for free. So, you know, I certainly want to try and hold on to it for a while. And so, I definitely think that by the time Gigabit LT comes along on T Mobile, I'll still have this phone.
0: Yeah, it's quite possible for sure. Um, I mean, it's very exciting that they're deploying that. Actually, it's it's interesting that you made that decision. As well, because of Gigabit LT, you're the first person I've actually heard. I bought this phone for Gigabit LT. That's, I mean, I know well, it's, not was, the, it's one of the reasons, but it's, that was
1: definitely a factor to where I said I can't yeah. even consider the uh, the G6 or the or the Pixel because I want the faster speed. I mean, we're switching to T-Mobile because of the because of the better speeds that we're getting on T-Mobile, not because it was cheaper.
0: How's that working out for you? Good.
1: It's been you're working happy? out. It's been working out well. I'm happy. I mean, I can't say that it's blazing fast all the time. No, but it's it much much faster than Verizon was where I go. And that's you know, all I that matters, right? I can't speak for the whole country, but I can speak for the where where I go to work in Manhattan and where I live, the area where I live on Long Island. Now we get and in my house we get significantly better speeds on on T-Mobile than we did on Verizon and on Verizon it had reached a point of being terrible.
0: Yeah, like, no, it is terrible currently on most most places I go to on Verizon. Um do you find do you feel that you're saving money? Oh yeah. I well obviously it it's about
1: $50 it's about mm, well it's about $20 a month less. And now I'm on unlimited. So before I was on limited, uh obviously I'm paying for the new devices that I could have stuck with the old the old, although really worn out devices for longer on Verizon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm saving money overall for sure. That that doesn't hurt. Uh, but really, we switched. I mean, there were some instances where we were so angry at Verizon.
0: You told me, yeah.
1: So you know, like, in in my wife is in the hospital and she couldn't make a phone call on Verizon, yeah. but people visiting with T Mobile could, and so. And that was, and she visited her father, a different hospital, same story. So, uh, you know, a lot of instances where Verizon really didn't come through. So, uh, you know, that's why we switched. And if we're switching for the better bandwidth, well, then I better get a phone that takes advantage of all of the bandwidth.
0: See, we, if, if John Ledger is listening, I doubt he is, but maybe Des is listening of T-Mobile. He's the, uh, one of the evangelists over there. You know, there you go. There's your T-Mobile ad. Um, One last thing about your Switch. Did you enjoy your unlimited data roaming in Taipei?
1: Uh, Not that much because it was 2G. So as soon as I got there... You got a local SIM.
0: I got a local SIM. Me too, but I actually continued using my Pixel with my T-Mobile SIM. I got LTE uh, and it was throttled a little bit, but it was perfectly usable. I wasn't going to upload videos for work, but... I was able to use it to do maps and what well, was to check facebook and and all that usual stuff, you know
1: i I did not for the few you know for the couple hours I was in the airport waiting for the SIM card store to open. My speed was not that great but it's uh, only at
0: the airport. trust me, once you got into uh, town, it was fine. It really depends on which network you're roaming to. You know that you can choose your network you're roaming on when you're abroad, oh oh yeah. I mean, T-Mobile doesn't have an agreement with everyone, but you can. It'll give you a list uh, if you go into the network settings, and you you sometimes want to switch networks and see if you get better performance. Because basically, when you land, it catches the first signal it catches of any tower, and uh. if it has a roaming agreement, it stays on that, right? Well, but the well, wonderful thing about roaming is you can change carriers. Ha, interesting! Interesting
1: to know. I mean, I know that they say they throttle you to two G unless you pay extra. And I looked up the cost of a data pass, and it was it was it's, a lot.
0: It's actually not throttled to 2G. Most of the time, it throttled to about a megabit. Um, but you're not, and you generally will be on LTE. Like you will actually be on LTE bands. Just they will slow you down a little bit, but it's not like unusable. I mean, it really depends. As I said, what what roaming agreements they have, what city you're in. Um, where was it that I always have really bad performance? There's one country that I've traveled to regularly where I'm like, damn it, T-Mobile, work out your roaming agreement. <laughs> um, but some places are just like lightning fast. Uh, Hong Kong is a place where it's really slow. That's what it is. Um, but let's, um, let's switch to, uh, you talked about, we talked about flagships. I want to give my listeners a quick update on my flagship situation. Uh, since you know I have all the phones all the time. I just received an HTC U11 today. And by the time you listen to this podcast, you will be able to watch my unboxing video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. And I'm reviewing this phone for chip Chick. So in a few days, in about a week or so, I will have a review of the HTC U11. Um, this is a Sprint model, not the unlocked unit. So... Uh, just do so you know. And then I got my G6 fixed in Taiwan. This is an ongoing saga, Abram. Um, My G6 review unit is a one-off, handmade, uh, U.S.-spec device uh, that is in a color that's not available in the U.S., white and gold. And it Ooh. was given to me by Ken, the head of uh, LG Global PR at MWC uh to as my official review unit uh and I had a very unexpected and unexplainable cracking of the rear screen happen on it. Uh sorry, rear glass. Um after three months of use uh without any doings of ill on my behalf. <laughs> doings
1: the, of ill you know
0: without like sitting on it, <laughs> stepping on it, dropping it. Uh, the back was cracked. And so I asked them, hey, can you send me another one? I said, well, we only had like a dozen of those that we gave out to to U.S. media because they're a U.S. model with all the U.S. guts, including wireless charging, which is unique to the G6 in the U.S. Uh, but it's in a in a shell made for, you know, a Korean phone because the white and gold is only sold in certain parts of the world. And so we can't do anything about it. I mean, they said we'd be happy to send you like a a US spec unit, um, but it won't be that color. And they did send me a silver and blue one, but my white and gold is like my unicorn. So... I decided, you know, the U.S. repair situation for phone repair shops is kind of dodgy and also the parts are expensive. So I figured, why if I go to Taiwan to one of those little basement computer market type places and get it fixed, which is exactly what I did. The part I bought on eBay before flying out because I wasn't sure if Taiwan also had that color choice. So I bought it on eBay for $9. It arrived just the day before I flew to Taiwan. And then it cost me, are you ready for this, Avram? $11 U.S. for a guy to do it in half an hour. Wow. $20 and my G6 is as good as new. It's almost worth the price of the flight exactly but i didn't pay for the flight so haha
1: so so even better
0: and i got it done in taiwan so i know it's done right everything works like a charm um that's an update on the g6 i wanted everybody to know uh and then in terms of phones as you know from last week's podcast i've been playing with the key one from blackberry and i really like it have you had a chance to play with that avram
1: i saw it a little bit i haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with it obviously i touch the keyboard. It seemed, uh, seemed pretty good. I'm one who still misses the physical keyboard. So you
0: should really try out this phone. It's a really great phone. I mean, I'm not a key hardware keyboard person. I would probably still not buy this phone as my daily driver, but I have to admit that this is the best case for a hardware keyboard phone ever yet to me on Android. So and if you're a BlackBerry, former BlackBerry user, there's absolutely a no-brainer if you love the hardware keyboard that you should buy that phone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I thought about it for a second there because I really am a, a fan of... I mean, I was the last person on earth probably to switch off of hardware keyboards. Well, maybe not the last person since somebody still buys BlackBerry, but, you know, I... You know, did you I was have one rel- of those
0: Moto sliders or yes, HTC I did. sliders? Yeah, you I, did.
1: I had, I had the original Droid, and then when everybody else was switching to touchscreen-only phones, I got this horrible phone called the Samsung Stratosphere.
0: Oh, I do and, remember that horrible that, phone.
1: That thing was a piece of garbage, <laughs> and I bought and I bought it without anyone having reviewed it or anything because it was a 4G LTE slider, and I wanted the keyboard. That thing was a horror <laughs> show. It used to randomly reboot itself Oh, in lovely. the of phone calls and things like that. It was slow. It was terrible. But it had my keyboard. And then finally, <laughs> I just had to give it up. You know, what can you say? Sometimes the most convenient thing technology doesn't win. That's why we're all still tying our shoes and not using Velcro. That's why we don't have hardware keyboards.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, but this is definitely a good case to be made for it. Um, I want to talk about a couple of devices that I've been playing with that are kind of phone peripherals. Um, And Avram, I'm going to ask you for your take on what I'm going to describe to you uh, because you're a tech savvy guy and uh, as a tech journalist, you get to play with different things. So I think immediately you'll have a good opinion of some kind, whether... I agree or not. Um, The first device I want to talk to is made by FLIR. I don't know if you're familiar with FLIR. Oh, yes.
1: Absolutely, I'm familiar with FLIR. So
0: I just got uh, their embargo lifted today, in fact. I just got their FLIR 1 Pro camera which is a camera that attaches to your Android or uh, iOS device um, like the previous generation. But this is a much higher resolution product and it's also a ruggedized product for pros, basically contractors, folks like that. It's pretty pricey. I think 300 something dollars, maybe 350. Um, But the resolution thermal resolution is twice as good as the previous generation. And, Um, they gave it to me under embargo to play with. I played with it. Uh, The one I have, the Android version. And uh, I was suitably impressed. I had the original um, for Android and iOS both. Uh, And, uh, you know, it was okay, but it was uh, not something I would carry around every day. This one is good enough now that I think I might potentially... And and also, I should add, comes in a very convenient, very small, hard-carrying case that I would probably just leave it in my bag. And if I want a thermal imaging camera, I've got one. Um... Have you ever used one?
1: Yes, I have. I've used. Do you have uh, one? I've used the competitor to FLIR. Uh <gasps> What's
0: the name of it again?
1: Wow, I have. Poor do not memory. know. Uh, I've used the main competitor to FLIR, Uh and I it, liked what it. What have
0: you used it for?
1: Well, my, you know, I I got one to test, and I was playing with it. The thing I would like to do with it uh, is kind of a corner case, uh, for sure, but all of the testing that we do and benchmarking of laptops and other computers, and you want to see which part oh, is getting hot.
0: right. That's a good use case for you.
1: You know, now the one that I got was fairly low res. I think it was like 320 by 240 or something like that. So having a higher resolution where you could get more detail and see more closely which part of a device is getting hot uh, is, is very appealing. I think, uh, obviously that's just my my use case but I know people who are trying to do insulation in a house would want to would want to use it it's obviously pretty a lot of fun to take outside at night and kind of do yeah. a night vision type of thing and see what animals or people and you know are lighting it up uh, so I love that kind of thing I think I love that peripheral I think that's that's great and seeing it it go up into a higher resolution because I think that was an issue with earlier models you're not able to get like a really Good high res image uh, is is really is great. Uh, I I'd love to play with one of those.
0: You should ping the folks at FLIR. I can put you in I touch think, if I you think want. we may um, actually
1: I, I think we may actually have it in the office, and I just don't don't know about it because I saw. A FLIR device on Sam's desk at work today, so I think that they. I may think have said that's
0: it to probably him. it. Yeah, um, the bottom line for me is that it's better than the predecessor. It I like the looks of it better. I like the I like the fact that it's USB Type C, um, so the new the Android version now, so it's interchangeable. Uh, you can easily swap it from facing the front or facing the rear uh, by just flipping it over, uh, just like the Lightning version for iOS is or was in the previous generation as well. Um, It does uh, come with USB input, uh, sorry, USB Type-C input for charging because it has a little battery in it. um, It doesn't drain your phone completely, really quickly. Um, And that's also cool to see them adopt USB Type-C for charging Uh, Because, you know, a lot of accessories for phones like will skimp out and use micro-USB despite the fact that they're USB-C accessories or lightning accessories. And I really, really hate that. Um, What else is cool about it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, overall, uh, rugged. uh, The... uh, good quality. The software has improved drastically. There's a lot more you can do with the software. Um, but if you want to find out more, here's what I suggest you do. Go to my YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, for that, you just Google my name and YouTube and you'll find it. And you'll find my quick 15-minute uh, video review of the product. Um, I did have one issue where I dropped the my phone with the FLIR Camera attached to it, plugged into the micro, to the sort of the USB-C port, and it did bend the connector on the fleer a little bit. I had to bend it back, so it is ruggedized. But I'm worried that if that happens too often, um, you will end up damaging. Uh, the connector. I dropped it from not very high onto a hardwood floor, so it's not like it got scuffed or anything. Uh, and my the connector on my phone, uh, the the you know the charging port is just fine. Just that the uh, USB-C, um, you know, part on the uh, FLIR camera itself bent a little bit and had to unbend it. So that was my only negative experience with it. And it ironically happened as I was setting up to record my 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 review video. Isn't it always like that, Avram? <laughs> right? Usually it's
1: after we review it that it breaks.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes for me, it's just like, as I, as I review it, the second product I want to talk about is called print pocket and print with a Y P R Y N T. Now, I don't know if you know this one, Avram, but it's cool. It is a, a zero ink, uh, ca- basically printer for your iPhone. So you can print photos with it. Um, it, uh, your phone docks into this, uh, what looks like a camera grip basically with the shutter key and a zoom button on it. And, uh, it has its own battery and its own battery charging connector, which by the way is micro USB, despite the fact that this is a lightning connector accessory. And so the phone kind of docks onto this, uh, onto this grip. It accepts any size iPhone. It's adjustable, including phones with cases installed. And uh, it transforms your phone into a you know a more grippable camera, but at the same time lets you print. Right there in the grip is a tiny little zero ink printer. Zero ink is a technology that allows you to print like Polaroid, but it's digital and the ink is contained in each sheet of paper. It costs a dollar a sheet. You can get refills directly from the print app. But printing isn't really that big of a gimmick anymore. What this thing does it's really cool is that when you record, like when you take a photo with their app instead of the phone app, it also records a little bit of video alongside it, like just like the, the camera app does in, on iPhone. But again, not, not all phones other than iPhone support that feature. So the print app will do this little bit of video recording to match, and then they somehow embed some invisible data in the photo that you print and if you mail that physical photo or give it physically to a friend and they install the print app on their phone, they don't have to own the printer. They can see the video uh, AR style by like pointing the camera of their phone to the printed photo and the printed photo will animate on their phone. Do you know what I'm saying? Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And so it's basically like Harry Potter pictures come to life when, but when you look at them through your phone with AR. And the beauty of it is anybody can download the print app from, uh, again, P R Y N T app from uh, Android, uh, Google Play Store, and/or I- iOS. Now, they will make a version of this pocket, print pocket accessory for uh, Android soon with a USB Type-C connector, I would presume. But uh, the Current version just came out a week ago or so, has only lightning support for iOS. Um, They feel that the um, iPhone users are more likely to buy this accessory. Now, I want to give a quick disclaimer. I worked with them to help them with their crowdfunding two years ago for the original product. This is the Generation 2 product. There was no crowdfunding for this Generation 2. You can buy it today and have it shipped today. Um, But I want you to know that even though I have had nothing to do with the company in two years and they sent me a review in it because obviously I'm a journalist and I have nothing, had nothing to do with them for two years, I did work with them very briefly for crowdfunding two years ago. The original product was a large case that your phone fit into and it had these adapters for all the different size flagships available at the time. And it was very clunky and very thick and very big. So this thing is turned into basically just a camera grip now. And it's much sexier. It's still a little bulky, but it is a full-on photo printer in there. So um, it's cool. Would would you do use something like that? Is this something you think is cool?
1: Yeah, absolutely I would. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to see it be... I think it'd be cool if it were wire if you, they gave you a wireless option, so then you could use it with anything without having to worry about is it compatible with my you know with the connector on my phone. But then you
0: lose the cool the cool AR Harry Potter video f- feature embedded thing, ah. right? I mean, I suppose that's their shtick. Uh, because in in case you are actually interested in this, Avram, that's actually a very good point you make. Uh, LG, the phone maker, has a zero ink printer that's Bluetooth. That's pocketable. That runs on a rechargeable battery. That works with any printer. I um, sorry, any phone, any laptop, as long as you have Bluetooth printing support. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think it's I the think same it's a print great engine. Zinc Z- Zero Ink is the same company that made the engine for printing. Right They're, basically, they supply the the mechanism for this technology to anyone who wants it. And there's, they're a Korean-based company, so LG was the first to use their services. I actually have LG's little printer. I, I got it like five years ago when I was in Korea visiting. Um, and it's cool, but it just prints. It doesn't redo really do anything else, right? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: it's cool to, that they're adding the AR aspect to it. Uh, obviously, you have to get people to know. You have to, you know, when you give someone the picture, you have to say, hey, download this app, and then, they gotta have to get in the habit of doing it, so I think yeah. there's a adoption curve right there. But you know, once people do it, it's cool. And if they don't it, do it, it they says still it get on the back print. of
0: the photo, like the the little adhesive that you can peel off, because they're uh-huh. they all each of them is a sticker. Um, and the photos are about like two inches by three inches or. Two, one and one and three quarters by three inches. They're not tiny. Um, it says on the back, yeah, download the print app and gives you the URL or whatever. Um, but it's cool. I think it's cool and I enjoyed it. Uh, it's fun at parties. I had it with me at Computex. Uh, we were hanging out with some of the journalists one night and a lot of photos were printed and the goofiness happened. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And of course, you know, you have to have the photo to see it. I mean, obviously I can see them on my own app because they're my photos, but... Uh you'd have to actually uh get your hands on the f- printed copy to be able to see the animation if you uh if you ran into one if you ever see one of those you n- you know what it is now. Um we should probably wrap it up it's been over an hour. Um any final thoughts on the state of computing in 2017 in mid 2017 Abram?
1: Well, it's good to see that there's some more innovation happening with new technologies. We're not just getting lighter and fast, a little bit lighter and a little bit faster and a little bit longer lasting. Uh, We're actually seeing new things develop. Uh, And I'm very, very hopeful that we'll finally start to see uh, VR get a little bit more mainstream in the second half of this year, particularly with what Microsoft is doing and with... With more things getting the graphics power, we're probably still a year or two away from everybody running really good VR all the time. Uh, but uh, every time I get the chance to play with a Vive, which I did at Computex briefly because I don't own one, uh, I'm just still blown away again like it was the first time. And I say, man, why isn't everybody doing this all the time?
0: <laughs> so you're a big VR fan.
1: I, I am of good VR. Yeah, good uh, VR
0: is is amazing. It's true
1: of sticking a phone in front of your face, like you're just shoving it in front of your face. I'm not such a big fan of that or of like blurry stuff. Like we were getting on some of the Acer headsets I tried out. Uh, but when you use like the top of the line, like a vibe and you're walking around, particularly when you get to do the wireless demo, which I did. Wow. You know, like that's awesome.
0: That sounds cool. I did not do that demo. Now I'm jealous. Uh, listen, Avram, thanks for being on the show. Uh, can you, do you want to pimp your blog, your publication, your shelf, <laughs> sure, your sure. YouTube so you, channel, your all, hobby, whatever you do?
1: Oh, yes, all of it. So uh, please, uh, if you want to read some of the things that I've written or my colleagues have written, uh, check us out on LaptopMag.com where we have everything about laptops and tablets or Tomsguy.com, where we have stuff about every other type of electronic. Uh, so So check us out there.
0: Uh, Any Twitter handle people should follow you at? Are you a Twitterer?
1: Uh, To an extent. I uh, have my Twitter handle at GeekInChief uh, where you can follow me. Uh, And I'll also just throw it out there briefly that if any of you are running Chrome and you don't like uh, autoplaying sounds, I have a Chrome extension I've written called Silent Sight that you may want to check out. Uh, since we're since we're pimping things.
0: Yeah, you should pimp things, absolutely. I had no idea you're a developer. That's freaking awesome. Um you can 12, find twelve me- thousand users. Well, that's the start. Yep. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tankirl T-N-K-G-R-L. Think of the comic book character Tank Girl. Drop <laughs> the vowels and that's who I am online. In most places, my YouTube channel, you can be found by Googling my full name, Miriam Joir, that's M-Y-R-I-A-M-J-O-I-R-E, uh, and Google that in YouTube and you'll find me. It's probably easier than giving you a shortcut URL. You can also go... Uh, to my uh, to my Twitter um, profile to get to my YouTube. Uh, and of course, the podcast is published every week, about midweek, so uh, subscribe. The way to subscribe if you're running into this completely by accident is go to mobiletechpodcast.com and you'll find all the information that RSS feed, etc. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on uh, Pocket Casts if you look as well. Um and that's it keep an eye out I will be um, publishing my U11 review in the next week sometime uh, hopefully if I manage to get it all together and uh, uh, yes I do write phone reviews with so ChipChick and uh, if you want to find out more about the Snapdragon 835 and Windows 10 we talked about go read my story on mobilegeeks.com that's mobilegeeks.com Avram thanks so much for joining me that was fantastic An
1: honor and a pleasure.
0: All right. We'll have you again sometime. And for now, goodbye, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.